frequently asked questions this next couple of weeks. We're going to be asking tough questions. I think it is so important that we do this from time to time. Uh, the stats will tell you that the highest blocker to faith is even actually the question we're going to be answering today. Just the one question, why does God allow suffering and evil? And it's a good question and we're going to be looking at that. But this is why we do this, because not only, let's be honest, not only people that are on their journey trying to work God out, but us ourselves ask these questions. They're worth visiting. The Bible itself visits these questions. So it's not some sort of new idea that we've come up with. This week we're looking at suffering and evil. Next week we have Dr. Andrew Corbett with us. I can't express enough uh, the respect I have for uh, Andrew Corbett. He is becoming a voice in Australia with uh, not only his intellect, although that is certainly a part of it, but his, uh, his concerted effort to search out some of these questions and uh, come up with answers that go to the very heart of who God is. He speaks on a variety of topics now across Australia, um, ranging from sexuality uh, right through to these uh, apologetic questions, even into issues of creation versus evolutionism. And tomorrow we get him here in person, uh, sorry, next week live, uh, and he's going to be uh, exceptional value for us to be able to email questions to. As I say, these questions that come in, uh, we'll pass them on to him. Uh, you can text those questions in. Uh, I think maybe we can even put that slide up again uh, if that's possible. Uh, I just really encourage you to do that. Questions at catalystchurch.com.au. There's a text number and uh, we'll be putting things on the city as well. Whichever way you go about it, uh, just put your questions in, any question, any topic. We'll also be taking questions on the day, so there's plenty of avenue for you to be able to do that. What's your tough question? What is the thing that you're working through? Well, next week we got, we're going to just free reel uh, around and ask them. Okay, uh, the week after that, it's going to be, do all roads lead to heaven? That's a good question, right? Uh, that's probably the second one I hear the most is, well, you know, I'm a good person. All roads lead to heaven. There's a lot of good religions out there. Christianity is one of them. We're going to ask that question. Then we're going to sort of change tack in the series. It's still FAQ, but we'll be looking at the, the issue of sexuality. So God's design for sex. Uh, we'll be looking at how do I deal with lust? That is a frequently asked question. And finally, we'll end up on frequently asked questions in sex. It'll be a little bit similar to next week where there'll be all sorts of topics and questions asked. And again, you can begin emailing those questions into any of those avenues. So, you know, we're not shying away from some of the tough topics. But today is, why does God allow suffering and evil? And, you know, to be honest, this is a real question I think we ask from time to time. It's a good question, but I want to say up front, it's a personal question. You know, why, if God is infinitely good, does he at times seem to sit back and allow suffering and evil to happen to the world? How can he stand it? And why does he allow it? Why does he allow mass shootings in, in the US? We've even seen them in Australia. Bombings in Pakistan. ISIS teenagers murdering police accountants. Uh, earthquakes in Nepal. Children suffering child abuse. You know, then there's the suffering that is close to home. Loved ones dying way too soon. Personal illnesses. Battles you face. 
all of us have experienced pain and suffering at some point in our life and and uh, you know here's the other troubling thing why do some people seem to go through more pain and suffering than other people some people seem to cruise through life and somebody else goes through uh, an extreme season of pain and suffering we're going to make this a bit more real this morning and I just so appreciate uh, Murray agreeing to come on up here and just share some of their stories so come on up Murray Murray's just going to share a bit of the story about how the Jensen family have gone through pain and suffering this year a little bit of background about Murray you may be new to the church and sort of wonder who this this guy is many of you know him well but uh, Murray and Emma his wife have been long long-term attenders at Catalyst Church they uh, have been he, he, Murray's in the police force so he's traveled around quite literally the, the nation currently has landed in Innisfail our loss and Innisfail's gain but uh, he's back for a few days just for a, a bit of a break and I and I had a chat to him yesterday and he said he'd be willing to come and just share some of the the story that they've been through so uh, appreciate that Murray really do look I, I don't want to dredge up sort of you know too much emotion when things are, are very real for you so I'm not going to beat around the bush um, this is the story for the Jensen family recently um, Murray lost his nephew uh, Jordan to cancer and uh, additionally uh, your grandmother died in sad circumstances at virtually uh, the same time and I, I just want to also acknowledge uh, Ray and Barbara Jensen who are, who are here this morning as well uh, uh, Ray and Barbara are Murray's parents and uh, the grandparents of Jordan uh, so you know it's been a tough season for the Jensen family um, Murray I, I just wonder if you mind letting us know a little bit about this whole season maybe even taking us back right to that first day when you got a phone call that things weren't right and and how it all began yeah um so yeah up in mornington island is where i was based at the time uh that i found uh discovered the news and was told um mornington island for those of you who don't know is up in the gulf of carpentaria a very long way away and uh, i got a phone call from uh, my sister janelle uh I, I should preface it by, by just before that, uh, we'd had, you know, some texts saying, you know, Jordan's got a pain in his stomach, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, he's got a lump there, we're going into the hospital, just pray for us. And, you know, the, the temptation at the time even was just to, you know, make a bit of a joke about it and, uh, you know, just expecting that everything would be fine. Um, but it very quickly uh, went downhill from there and it was only... Uh, you know, days after that, that we found out that uh, he had a very aggressive cancer uh, in his liver. And uh, so I was at work uh, in a meeting. Uh, at the time, I was the uh, acting officer in charge of the station and uh, got, got the call from Janelle. And uh, it's, yeah, needless to say, it was a pretty emotional conversation. Uh, and we, uh, probably everybody has experienced something similar. Um, but it's just that, you know, automatically you go into kind of a, a numb state yeah. uh, where you don't really know what to say. Uh, you kind of sometimes fall back on some platitudes. And, yeah. But, it, yeah, it just doesn't really make sense at the time. So straight away uh, I kind of went into big brother mode and you, tr- you want to try and f- start fixing things, uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. There's Jordan and myself there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just a, a really difficult journey. That was the, just the start of a fairly difficult journey. And were hopes high, Murray, uh, during, you know, at the beginning, was there a sense that this battle could be won? How, how did you 
What, what was the feel like in the family and how did you work through that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that um, in, I guess in, in reality, um, the doctors were, were talking fairly uh, darkly, I guess. You know, they were pretty upfront about how serious things were. But I don't think it's, um, I think it's accurate to say, and mum and dad can <laughs> check me if I'm wrong on this, but it, even up until uh, Jordan breathed his last breath, I'd say that hopes were high, uh, which kind of makes it even more difficult. Um, so there are bad news, bad news, but there was always an opportunity for, well, we felt for God to intervene, uh, you know, for a miracle, yeah. um, for, you know, for something amazing to happen, for a great testimony to come out of it. Yeah. Uh, so right up until, you know, <laughs> to be honest, even after death, hopes were high that, you know, you read stories of, of God raising people from the dead. Yeah. So right, you know, <laughs> I don't know, probably now, hope's not so good uh, in relation to that. But, um, but yeah, all the way along, hope, hope was high. So we were kind of, you know, um, preparing for the worst, but hoping and expecting the best. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, Murray, you, you and Emma are a step removed. And, you know, again, we want to acknowledge, obviously, the pain and suffering that Jordan's own parents and, and sibling uh, went through. But, but just talk about and you've touched on it a bit, but the emotional journey of those many months and how you dealt with the ups and the, and the downs and how did that work for you? It's a, it's a tough question. I think still dealing with those ups and downs even now. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been a, it's a really difficult journey and I think one of the uh, things that we do with grief, particularly with when we reflect on other people's grief is we do um, scale it a little bit like so you know being once removed from from the situation you know Janelle and Jason's grief is much greater than, than my grief so you know we kind of do that a lot you know we, we even judge other people and how they should be handling grief and um, it's it's not not really fair because grief is grief no matter what what you're experiencing and um, I guess I'm learning a lot about grief. Um, for, for me, it's been a, uh, probably a four or five year journey about grief and, and suffering and um, how, we, how we handle it and where is God in it. Um, and even now, like I, I wish I could come up here and say, look, I've, I've been working this, through this journey and this is the answer, guys. <laughs> but to be honest, I'm still, uh, still going through that. And um, I think, you know, as a family, we handled grief uh, by being there for each other. Um, being vulnerable, I guess, and, and honest about how we were feeling, um, and just—I don't know—for f- me and uh, helping, I guess, Janelle and Jason through their grief. The way that that I've tried to do that is just be, uh, just compl- have no expectations of what their grief will look like, and uh, how they'll handle it and what they should be doing necessarily. Like, there are things that you, you, you can do to, to walk through that, that road, but often at the time, you don't want to hear what they are. Uh, so uh, just being there to support them when, when, it's, when there's time or an opportunity, you know, to speak an encouragement, not, not necessarily give an answer, probably definitely not give an answer, yeah. but just to be an encouragement uh, as much as possible. So, yeah. Very brave. Um, just when you guys were going through the hardest thing I imagine the Jensen family's ever gone through as a family unit. 
you know, you had another tragedy hit uh, with the passing of your, your grandmother in circumstances that weren't, you know, easy. Do you mind just uh, explaining even what happened right in the middle of, uh, of all of this? Yeah, sure. Um, so, John, narrowed down the dates today to make sure I didn't get them, get them wrong, but um, the Geordie passed away on the 23rd of July and uh, on the, what date was it, Mum? The 30th of July? Uh, grandma passed away uh, late at night. Uh, on the th- on the 30th, uh, we had just had a sort of very intimate uh, memorial service for Jordan, and then on the the following day, we were having a, a, a kind of a public celebration of Jordan's life. So, right in the middle of that, uh, Grandma passed away. Um, so we were kind of <laughs> went from the memorial service home and then to the hospital where Grandma had passed away and. Uh, Kind of we're dealing with that. It was there's different circumstances of people passing away, and I guess Grandma's passing was a uh, a culmination of a fairly extended period of unwellness and uh, a difficult time for the family. So uh, I guess emotionally, uh, in terms of uh, the suffering and, and the grief, it was um, prior to her passing that most of that was. I think the passing was a kind of a the end of a, a period of suffering, for, particularly for mum and dad, who had uh, had a, a you know a lot intensive care role. Um, so that, that was a different journey, uh, you know. So as much as it was sad, the finalisation of that um, it was almost a relief as well. Mm. But it so often is the way it, all things came together in like the perfect storm, you know, of suffering and yeah. and uh, again. Credit to the whole of the Jensen family just for just holding on and, and walking through that that season. Um, Murray, have you been able to work this stuff out with God? How, how have you and God been? You're a committed Christian. Um, how have you and God been in this season and, and the conversations you've had with Him? Yeah, look, I've been dreading this question to be honest. Um, for those of you who know me, you know, I've been a, an elder in the church and, um, you know, have a long history of church attendance and a, a really committed relationship with God. Um, but this is probably one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with. And I think that uh, particularly as Christians, as we go through uh, the suffering and grief, part of the, um, part of the grief is our, almost our death of who we think God is, you know, our, our, the God that we have in our mind and who, who we expect um, God to be, uh, and that is that's been really difficult for me. Um, you, you know, you want to see the miracle, you want to see the God that you you believe in, this all powerful, Almighty God. You know, intervene and uh, change the situation for good. And uh, so, yeah, the, the conversations that I'm having with God at the moment, I'm kind of I'm still in that Saturday period, to be honest. Um, the, the Sunday hasn't hasn't come for me yet, uh, but I feel like. You know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's late Saturday night, maybe. Um, but, you know, definitely still asking those questions of God. And um, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that it's an uh, opportunity for God to uh, redefine who He is for me and have a more accurate understanding of, of who God is. Yeah. Can I just say, I, you know, I applaud, you know, that sort of honesty and, and realness. I don't think we hear enough of it. And, uh, this is why we're asking the questions that we're asking today. So, you know, we just, you know, good on you, Murray, for being real uh, about that. To flip it around, and I know, I know a little bit of the story, but, 
but talk about Jordan's faith uh, through this season and, and how he... Where, where was Jordan at? Um, you know, I wish, I wish um, Janelle was here to mm. talk about that a lot more because um, she, you know, they just had through that, you know, period, they were just really... One of the blessings of the situation was that they just had an amazing uh, relationship, uh, you know, to start. But, you know, to journey through, that, it was just a beautiful thing to watch, to be honest. And um, one thing that I saw, and Janelle has posted, uh, for you, those of you who follow along, there's the um, Kicking Cancer Jordan Style um, Facebook page. Yeah. And even since he's his, his passed away, Janelle has um, uh, put photos up there and, and stories of his journaling during the time and that sort of thing. Uh, and it's just, it's been, you know, it's, it's encouraging um, that Jordan was, uh, I guess when, when I reflect back, he's kind of had that uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego feel where uh, he was, they were going to get you know, chucked in the fire and, and their attitude was, well, you know, God can save us from that, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. And yeah, that's uh, good. That's, that was, I think, Jordan's uh, attitude uh, that God could heal him yep. and he, you know, he really wanted that yeah. and was making plans for, you know, for, for, for his future and that sort of thing, even up until the you know, the, the last days. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that, that was kind of his attitude. He, he, he clung to God, but uh, knew that even if God didn't heal him, that he was still God. Yeah. Ah, amazing. Um, just to flip it all uh, around a little bit, and just a, a question, I think, that came out of a conversation we had yesterday that is helpful at this point is... The, the things we get wrong, human beings want to help each other, there's no doubt about it, but sometimes we say the wrong things to each other in our seasons of suffering. Do you mind just sharing, as a help to us, someone that's going through extreme suffering, what are the things that don't help in that season and, and how could we help? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot, really. Um, and I remember as, as Janelle went through that journey, she did some, some posts about, about that, uh, you know, what's helpful and what's not. Um, in for me, for m- my journey through uh, our grief and suffering, uh, there's two two primary ones that I really struggled with and really, I don't think were helpful. Mm. Um, the first one was, uh, you, you're not the first person to go through this. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I think everyone's probably been in that si- in that situation where you are suffering, you are grieving, and and someone says, look you're not the first one to go through this. <laughs> and you're like, well, it's the first time I've gone through this. And uh, it, it, I don't know, I felt like punching people when, if they said that to me. Um, Did I ever say it to you, Murray? No, not like I can recall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but it's just, it's not helpful. It's, yeah. I mean, maybe before you go through suffering yeah. and maybe, you know, through the other end, yeah. it might be helpful to, to hear that. Yeah. But um, when you're in the middle of it, oh my goodness, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, not, it's not good to hear. Um, so yeah, so you're not alone. And the other thing is that time will heal. Okay. Uh, it's that's great, it, and it is. A, but it's a platitude. At, yeah. at when you're in the middle of grief and suffering, uh, to hear that time will heal, uh, it, it, it's almost painful to hear that because uh, you don't want to you don't want to move forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's the best way to explain yeah. it. Like you're in you're just in this it's yeah. all around you and it almost uh causes more pain to think of moving out of it at that time yeah. uh, i mean there's there is a time where these things are great to hear mm. um but when when you're in the middle of that it's not not the best thing 
to, to hear and the best thing to say. Um, alternatives, probably, it's probably good to know some alternatives and just, you know, just being there for people is, is better than just saying a platitude necessarily mm. or something that, you know, that is wise. Mm. Um, just, you know, you know I, can, I can see you struggling. I, I can't begin to understand what you're going through, but mm. I'm here for you. That, mm. that sort of stuff is so much better than, than trying to point them in a direction at that time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I said to you, actually. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, again, you know, this is why I appreciate the courage here. They're not through this season. Um, they're not through the other end and um, are just being willing to share. I just wonder if we can pray for, for the Jensens. Lord, we pray for this uh, wonderful family, God, that are spread out, well, really, across Queensland. Uh, we pray for all of those affected, both close and, and a little bit removed. God, we pray, Jesus, for just your incredible love and grace to touch their situation. Let this church's faith, Lord, we reach out to them and touch them. And you promise us, Jesus, as our great high priest, you understand our pain and our suffering. And I pray that you would reach into their circumstance, God. Give them the comfort, give them the healing. Uh, God, we acknowledge it takes time, but, but we pray for that journey now just to, oh God, we would pray be as quick as you can, God, as, as you walk them through, God, the, the season that they're in. God, give them incredible grace as they continue to take that step after step, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You put your hands together for, for Murray, just for that boldness there. <clears throat> So, look, the reason for that, you, I'm sure you've got to work this out. This is not an intellectual question. This is a real and a personal question. Why does God allow these things to happen? Um, and these things are a wrestle. And the things that we say today as we uh, just give a few thoughts, I want to be clear, they may not speak to your circumstance and your issue because uh, it's your issue. It's personal and they're things that you're wrestling with. So I'm putting my hand up for that and saying, I certainly don't have all the answers here today. But here's something that has helped me, certainly on my journey, and it's a good starting point. It's from Lamentations 3.33. It says, For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. That, that's a good place to start in this question of why does God allow suffering and evil? It is not God's intention to sit in heaven like a, a schoolboy you know sort of burning ants with a magnifying glass it's not like God is this this mean-hearted or even indifferent God that just whatever happens it, it is not his intention to to see suffering and evil come into the hearts of of mankind uh, one bible word that might make some sense to some people is that God ordains it another way of saying that would be he allows pain and suffering, and that really leads to our first thought here this morning, that possibly God sees things from a different perspective to what we do. And I'm just going to roll through a few reasons here. The best way I can think to describe this is uh, a bit like this. It's a, it's a simple example, just acknowledge that, but my child uh, has been learning to ride a, a bike summer, our youngest. Uh, she's five years old, and um, I just... I just taught her and I tell you what as all dads and mums here that have done that job I'm glad it's over right 
I'm glad that season of teaching my kids to ride bikes is over because it's hard. My time is done. If your kid needs to learn how to ride a bike, find somebody else to do it. It's hard work. But here's what I know, no, no, and I appreciate this is a simple example. It is likely, in fact, it's not even likely it did happen, but it is likely that at some future stage in her life, uh, likely more than once, she's going to fall off that bike and skin her knees, uh, you know, hurt herself in the process of learning to ride a bike. I, I know this would happen. And you could say, I am allowing pain and suffering into the life of my child um, by, by teaching her to ride a bike. But of course, you can see things from a different perspective. I also taught her to live life to ride a bike. If you look at this differently or a little bit deeper, I know my children will ultimately die. I know this to be true. I know, barring the return of Christ, they will experience the ultimate suffering uh, which leads to death. And uh, as life goes for them, it may not even be uh, a natural or a normal death. They, they could experience a death that involves a degree of suffering. Again, I know this is possible and I certainly know they will die. Now, if you were a, an alien on another planet and just having a look at this big picture, you could say, why did Carl and Jess allow their child to die, knowing that they would go through that suffering. But another perspective might be, well, Carl and Jess gave the gift of life to those children and allowed them to live life. And that all leads to the point that God sees things from another perspective. It just gives us a glimpse that God sees the things we go through from his perspective, not our perspective. And we don't understand all these things. Sometimes we assume that if God has good reasons, then we should know them, which is an interesting question in itself. Why do we assume that we should know everything that God knows? But sometimes we do assume that. Here's just another example on this. Our parents are moving city. And again, let's assume it's you know my five-year-old that's involved in this and we're moving to a whole other city. Now for her, that would be ridiculous. That would be crazy. Why should we do that? But for parents, you might know that it's for a job situation or aged parents are ill or any other good reason. But in the mind of a child, they don't understand what that suffering is all about. Now, interestingly, as your children grow, they get a better understanding, a better trust in parents and the decisions they make. And it can be the same with us. God sees things from a different perspective, which leads to the question, how don't we know that a God of infinite love could not have loving reasons to allow pain and suffering to continue. Again, this is not the full answer, but it's one glimpse into an answer into this question. This all leads to the next thought, which many would say is the big one on this topic, that God allows free will. God has given us a freedom to love, right? We know that. And love is a beautiful thing. But love is also a costly thing. Thing. It is a costly freedom. With this comes choice. We can make wise and foolish decisions. And our foolish choices may bring about suffering to other people. We can choose badly. Here's a silly childhood example. I want to stress it's silly. It just came to mind. I thought, I'm, I'm going to share that one. It's always stuck with me. I was playing in the front yard when I was, I don't even know how old, maybe seven. And we had a bunch of friends and we're all playing in the front yard. 
And I remember this day, a little guy from across the street who we didn't know came and joined in this group of friends and we're all playing and he said, can I play with you? And, and as one, we all said, no, we don't want you to play, for, play with us. And um, I don't know quite why we did that. I have a sneaking suspicion that he wasn't as popular as us or good looking or he was taller or shorter or fatter or whatever. But we decided that kid today, that day, was not going to play with our group of friends. And he argued the point. He said, oh, I think I should be allowed to play with you. And we were playing around um, bees. They were all clover and bees all buzzing around. And we got the idea to tell him, if you want to play with us, you need, no, it's not quite that bad, you need to get an injection. And we had this big, long needle there with us. Now, it's still not quite that bad, in case you think I'm about to stab the kid. And this kid is horrified. I don't know why we have this big, long needle, but we did. And we went around, and he said, no, it's you, you guys haven't been doing that. We said, yes, you've got to get a needle if you play with us. And so we went around to each other, and we pretended to, to jab each other, but we just pushed it through the, the skin, through the, the clothes, and... Uh, and this kid was horrified at what we were doing and, and went away, like, just incredibly distressed, virtually sort of running away from us, like, oh, I don't want to play with you guys. And we all high-fived each other. Yeah, we got rid of that little kid. And I remember thinking sometime later, maybe even that night, why did I do that? What, why did I, as a seven-year-old, that is not, is there worse examples of pain and suffering in the world? Absolutely. But there's me as a little seven-year-old choosing badly. I choose to reject that kid. I chose to, to hurt that kid. I have no memory of that kid ever coming back into our group of friends. I made a bad choice and that little guy suffered the consequences because of that. This is what it's like for us as we live in this world. We get the choice to make decisions. It's not God that messes it up, it's us. See, God is perfect love. God wants us to love him and he wants to love us, and he does love us. But in perfect love, there'll be freedom to choose. There has to be, otherwise it's not perfect love. Imagine if I told you, you must love me. There was a rule, there is no breaking it, you must love me. Well, we all know that's not perfect love. We've gotta be able to choose. And it's the same for us. We get to choose whether we love God and whether we live uh, in under the rulership and, and the way God intended us to live our life. And if we don't, consequences come. And this is exactly, of course, what we've done. The, the Bible tells us in Genesis, first book in the Bible, that we chose to walk outside of God's perfect will and way for us. That humanity actually said, God, we don't want you, we don't trust you. And as a consequence, the world was broken. Suffering and evil and death came into the world. And because of that, we still live in this broken world. And what this means is bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. It's a broken world. It's a world that is fundamentally out of kilter with our maker because of our efforts. Yet here's the thing, we complain about it. We complain about the negative consequences. Interestingly, no one seems to complain to God that he's given us many opportunities to love ourselves, right? I never hear anybody complaining about how annoying it is to be given the freedom to indulge in just abundant amounts of self 
self-pleasure or self-glorification, right? To overeat. Who's complained about that? To boast, to gossip, to get drunk. Nobody shouts at God for allowing us that freedom. Yet we can find ourselves shouting at God for allowing us to have the freedom to choose and the negative consequences that come. We chose that world, not God. Now in choosing that world, that life away from God, we chose death and that with that comes suffering. So it should be a challenge to us that sometimes we point the finger at God. This next explanation may help. In a, in a strange twist of fate, the very fact that we see a broken world that we live in can turn us back to God himself because in seeing that broken world, we see the, the difference between right and wrong. We see good and evil. In a way, that moral code points us back to the very fact that there must be a God because there is evil. We can see the existence of evil, so there must be perfect good. There must be a God. And we, because of that evil, we, we point at God. But then you might say, why did God create suffering and evil then? Why did he even allow it? He knew how things would turn out. Why create suffering and evil? Why would God do that? Well, I've shared this example before here and maybe you remember it but I think it's helpful this is a massive subject but here's one illustration that may help and it gets a bit scientific here but I want to explain it like this I found out a while ago that there really is no such thing as cold I found that really interesting there are actually no such thing as cold uh, in fact the best definition of cold scientists will tell you is the absence of heat in fact the coldest temperature possible is Minus 273.15 degrees. If you're a science nerd, if you watch Big Bang Theory, there you go. There's a fact. But scientists can't even agree on how hot something can become yet. They can't even fathom that yet. They're still trying to work that out. Hot can go on and on because heat is real. Heat is life. Heat is energy coming together. It's movement. Whereas cold is the absence of life. So what I'm saying is this. Cold is only the absence of heat. If things were only hot, there would be no cold. You might see where I'm going with this. You could say the same about darkness and light, right? There's no such thing really as darkness. It's simply the absence of light. Now, interestingly, God in the scripture is referred to as light. So in the same way, the most extreme forms of pain and suffering, I believe, is simply the absence of God's love God's perfect light evidenced in a situation. So we start to begin to understand one perspective on how pain and suffering and evil came about because I believe evil wasn't created by God, but it is the absence of God. It's not like God intended or invented evil, pain and suffering. It comes about because of the absence of God's perfect love. See, God is love and perfect life. That's why as a church, we are at pains to say, come closer to God and live the life that God calls us to live. If we draw to him, you'll live under his ways and means. You'll live a, the, the life that he's calling you to and it will be perfect life, absent from evil. Now, the deeper we go with some of this, the more questions you probably have. And again, that's fair enough. So in the general context you know, we live in a world that, for the most part, has walked away from God. This is really where I'm coming back to. We've walked away from his commandments and we, in, we involve ourselves in sin and evil because of that. 
Now again, the trouble with sin and rebellion is innocent people are often those that get caught up in the middle of it. I'm sure you would join with me in saying it, it still is complex at the very least to understand why innocence, say children, let's say Jordan, is tied up in this world of pain and suffering. What did Jordan do to deserve that? Well, as we found out here this morning, even people that might choose to follow God in their entirety still live in this world of pain and suffering and evil. Uh, For the most part, they still suffer because of this world, maybe not because of their own consequences, but because of the choice of mankind as a whole. But it is up to us, and I'm talking about us as a whole, to choose Do we allow God into this house, into this earth? Because what we know is God entered this reality. He knocks at the door and he says, I want to be a part of your world. I want to be a part of restoring it. I want to bring my kingdom into your world. And it is our decision whether we call him into this earth. God won't control us in that process because we have free will. The second he imposes it on us, it's no longer free will and it's not love. As we move just to the end here, I want to say that while we don't ultimately understand it, there may be a real purpose, even in your suffering, ultimately, that we undergo. Now, I'm not even sure on all counts that we'll know why we went through the suffering, but I I do believe ultimately a purpose will be found for it. And um, we can learn from these things, we can grow from these things, perhaps we can give to others through these things. And we're going to watch a short audio visual, which I think really brings this question uh, together. So that we have a point that there's purpose in suffering. I want to say this too, it may not be as much purpose, but response. But I just want to make the point that God abhors evil. The scripture tells us this, he hates suffering. And one of the key evidences we see of that is us, that he calls us to come along and join him on this earth in the journey against pain and suffering. And to be honest, what we see here this morning, you see this, this is us being called into the likeness of Jesus Christ to give of ourselves, of our time, of our resources and our talent to bring the hope of Jesus Christ, to see his kingdom come on this earth. That's what our vision as a local church is. To be honest, it's what nearly all local churches' vision is, is to see the hope of Jesus come. Ours is to be a unique church that provokes change by sharing compassion and hope. At Catalyst, we give boxes, we help people out of debt, we provide meals, we sit with people, we cry with people, we call them through difficulties, we share the message and the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's on that name that I want to finish here this morning. We may not have all the answers for your situation, but we can talk about Jesus Christ. He's the one rather than being an indifferent God that just tells us about suffering, He came and He entered human existence and He suffered betrayal and physical torture and injustice and rejection and crucifixion. 
And he says, I'm not distant from you. I'm not disinterested in you. But I know what you go through. I can tell about the experience of suffering and injustice. And Hebrews tells us that he is now our great high priest. And he says, come to me with the pain and the suffering that you have. You know, Jono, who is helping produce this series, just said a great thing to me yesterday. He said in his prayer for this series, it would move beyond intellect into healing. And I just feel that in my own spirit today to say that again, that the great high priest, Jesus, wouldn't want us to stay in head knowledge of the suffering that we go through. He'd call us into revelation of himself, Jesus Christ. He'd say, come to me in your suffering. I know what your suffering and pain is all about. Charles Spurgeon says, in the darkest night of the soul, Christians have something to hold on to that Job never knew. We know Christ crucified. So Jesus came to deal with the pain and the suffering. Romans 5, 6, 8 says, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, evil came upon Jesus Christ. It engulfed him, it overtook him, but in the miracle of the resurrection, Jesus rose again and he overcomes evil. He even overcame pain and suffering. And he calls us into that victory today. He calls us into faith in Him, the one that has overcome. He defeated evil and suffering. He is our greatest hope beyond our struggle. He is our hope. I want to just share from Psalm 131. I read it this week and it says this, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And it ends, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. You know, that that psalm says to me is we're not going to understand everything. But we can sit with our Father God. We can call out to Him. And Jesus here today says, don't remain in your pain and suffering. He doesn't say don't ignore, He doesn't say ignore the emotion or it should be quick. But He does say, look up to me as I walk with you through this season, this journey you're in. And I'll move you through to the place I have for you. You know, whether you've been in a church for 20 years and know that walk, that journey of faith, you still could be with this question struggling or whether it's your first Sunday ever in a church, it's the same answer that Jesus, our high priest, would call us into that relationship with him. But he calls us to do it through a faith step, through believing in him, through saying, I am broken and I carry the brokenness of this world in me and I give it to you. And he exchanges his righteousness and his goodness. He gives it to us. And we can respond to that today and we can call out to him to reach us in our circumstance. So let's pray together. God, 
We just thank you, God, that this topic is real in the sense that you allow us to talk about it, God. You don't run from it, but you experience pain and death and suffering. But you rose again, God, to call us into a newness of life. And I pray that your spirit would just fall on men and women here today. God, that you would bring healing, even in this powerful moment. Healing, Father God, would begin. That process of healing would continue, God. Maybe some walking into it for the first time. But let that perfect love, Lord, reach into the hearts of men and women here calling us to that wholeness that we have in you, we pray in Jesus' name. You know, today maybe you need to respond.